just as a reminder, what our topic was today were customer analytics and reporting. Um, like what is your, if you have a dashboard, what does that look like? Um, how do you surface these metrics to your leadership team and or your board? What do you share? Um, how do you teach them what they need to know rather than what they want to know? And what I mean by that is they're always very interested in the financials, which we know are lagging metrics, NRR, GRR, and those kinds of things. How do we talk to them about some of the leading indicators? Um, and what teams are you working with, if any, to get that data? And what tools are you using? So this was like, there was a lot, there was a lot to pack in here today. So we'll go around for the, I think there were seven total groups. Uh, and we'll kick it off. Um, group one. I won't be bashful. I'll, uh, you know, being a, being a participant is nice. I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, so appreciate you doing this, Sherry. Um, so I had, we had a, uh, Kelly, um, we had Pam and I just blanked. I'm sorry. Um, but we were, so we were talking about, um, you know, Kelly and Kelly has a little bit different of a business in terms of, uh, kind of professional services and, um, isn't necessarily SaaS related. So it's kind of interesting conversation to look through, you know, what, what kind of metrics were important, um, you know, tools and systems obviously was a big thing talking about how, um, not everything's connected. So how do you start piecing these things together? Finance system is different than your CRM. So which one's the truth? How do you start looking into some of these things? But I think the, at least for us, the, um, the big thing that I talked about was, um, getting a, getting a kind of a strict hierarchy for, um, our team to actually relate to. So, uh, I think when we first joined the business, you know, we had 50 metrics we were looking at, we would try and pull in everything. We'd be, you know, looking at all these numbers that really didn't truly, you know, mean anything to anybody at, at that given time. So, um, you know, we tried to simplify the message. Obviously, at the end of the day, we're in the SaaS business. So uh, either net revenue retention or gross revenue retention is probably the key indicator for 99% of us to keep our jobs. And so um, we use that right as our kind of North Star. And then to your point, um, Sherry, the way we've started to look at that is, you know, kind of tier two, let's break it down. Um, tier one is just that, you know, big metric of gross revenue retention, uh, we'll say. Tier two, let's break it down by, you know, the tiers and markets that we have. Tier three, we're getting into projects and behaviors that we're trying to impact tier two, which is going to impact tier one. And so that hierarchy for us has just been really critical to get our teams aligned, make sure that we can simplify the message too. Um, I think it's really started to connect our team, connect our team to the business um, so that they can kind of see, hey, I'm working on this project or, you know, we're doing this type of behavior and it's impacting our tier two, which I feel like is going to impact tier, tier one um, metrics. And so um, the I think the big thing that we're working on now is just how do we get that all systematized? So it's some of it is in Salesforce. Some of it is in another tool, you know, and so we're trying to go through now and just clean that whole thing up. Um, but I think at least we have a clear direction about where we're going now and starting with that um, kind of tier one metric was the big thing for us. Let me ask you a question with all of that. Cause that, you know, and that's really interesting the way you said how the different tiers can affect some of those other, whether lower tiers or the lower tiers can affect some of the, the higher tiers, but in all of those, are you, are you using usage data to help paint or do you help paint a picture of the customer and who they are and what do they want and their challenges, like, and including usage and their voice? Does anyone include that in their metrics? Are you asking me or are you asking me? I said, did you guys talk about that at all? I mean, if oh, anybody wants to yeah, we, we talked a little bit about voice of customer as, um, as a big way that we are um, looking at programs to run to impact those tiers. So for us, I guess the, the big thing is, 
you know, we have a segmentation breakdown that we look at um, that kind of takes into account their market as well as their opportunity with us. And so when we're looking at those tiers, the reason why, let's say we're using gross retention, um, you know, why that's important to us is, uh, you know, say tier three gross retention is low. You know, what are programs that we can go run towards that group that is going to help us increase retention, right? How do we get ahead of that? And so using voice of customer, like you said, using some of the, the feedback data, maybe it, maybe it's data and usage, but using that to influence what type of campaign or what type of program we're going to run towards that tier three is how we start kind of rolling out um, programs. I think so we're trying to use that as our um, maybe leading path of like, how do we use the voice of customer to drive the right program to that segment or cohort of customers to impact that retention, which is going to impact our overall retention. If that makes sense. Kind of carry that through. Guys, that's cool. Thank you. This is also very weird. I'm telling you, thanks, Jeff, moving along here. Um, who is the spokesperson for group two? Uh, I, I'll take it. <laughs> um, so let's see, we, we had uh, Chandler, Jeremy, Josh, and um, uh, and Dave. And um, actually, we had a really similar conversation as, as to what Jeff talked about. Um, we all kind of started off saying that we wish it wasn't net revenue retention, because there are just too many factors that play into that. Um, but what we did say is that we wanted to figure out um, okay, at a leadership level, let's agree on what parts of, what factors of net revenue retention, customer success, um, you know, can impact and, and have control over, and then find a way to measure that. Um, I don't want to put Chandler on the spot, but he said he uh, was starting to make a system to figure out how to get that data into a stack and figure out what's important. Um, but um, that was that was the main thing we did. We also touched on NPS a little bit, um, and Dave had some really good perspectives on that, that it was basically meant to be a, a B2C metric, uh, and that there's a hypothesis out there that it's horrible for B2B. I think I read that in the community the other day, this week, it had to be. Um, yeah, I agree with that. I am personally not a fan of NPS. Yeah. So... So Russell, was there a discussion on, I know we were talking about analytics, but was there a discussion uh, around on a replacement for NPS then for that type of data? You know, we didn't get too far into that. My opinion is that surveys just have to be a little bit more nuanced than that. You know, um, if, if you get a five to seven question survey and you figure out what really matters to you that your customers will respond on, um, you get a lot more insights out of that than just kind of a, a single number type question. Oh. I'd like to, uh, I want to call out on Anna real quick. Anna said uh, CSAT over NPS. And so I was just thinking, you know, what, what would be a, the, you know, explain the difference in, in, in how that's beneficial. You were going to ask that. I knew you were going to ask that. <laughs> Customer research team is able to explain it so clearly, but so I'll probably butcher it, but I'll do my best. Um, but the way they approach it is NPS has a tendency to be more volatile when you're looking at it quarter over quarter. So it's less meaningful based, at least for our customer base and our sample size, NPS is more volatile. It's, it's less meaningful looking at it quarter to quarter. So we use CSAT on a quarterly basis. We still capture like an NPS type question in the CSAT survey, but we only look at it at a yearly basis um, as opposed to a quarter over quarter metric. Um, and I, there are other nuances that the customer, our customer research department can like expand on around CSAT that I know there's other supporting 
materials on that. But, but ultimately that was the biggest difference and the biggest reason why we switched. We used to report on NPS and a couple of years ago we switched to CSAT um, because of that. You, uh, when you're looking at it, the NPS question there kind of individually on a year, do you look at it calendar year or lagging year uh, per customer per segment? Uh, we look at it calendar. So like at the end of, like we just looked at 2020s data at in Q1 of this year. So we look at like the previous year compared to the previous year. Right? So it's calendar year. Got it. Um, yeah. And then what was the other question? Oh, by segment. Um, some segmentation, yeah, like by product. Um, we don't have, I mean, we we have a decent customer base, but it's not like gigantic. So if we start to break it down too much, once again, you kind of get to where is your sample size really big enough to, to where that data is still meaningful. So we typically just break it down by product. Um, we can break it down further if there's a specific segment that we're interested in in seeing something by like admin versus end user and things like that. Um, we have the ability to do that as well. Yeah, yeah I think uh, as it, uh, Carl made a good point that up there, I think it was asking the right person, uh, you know, the, the, mm -hmm. the opinion of a champion or an executive sponsor, I think yeah. could be significantly more than someone who drops into the tool once every quarter. Yeah. Agreed. I was just going to say our conversation ended up centering more about getting the right tool set because there's, um, you know, we had uh, Dave who is kind of having to switch tools because of, you know, uh, one type of software doesn't allow for how they actually do deals and, and, you know, how their accounts are set up. Um, we had a couple of people who are currently looking to set up tools. And then uh, we also had like Brian, who's actually using several different sources of data and doesn't have a dashboard and might be able to put together some reporting eventually, but they don't really even have the resources in-house to be able to put all of the reporting into a single dashboard. Or Laura, who is still trying to convince her CEO of a small startup that it's worthwhile to have a dashboard. <laughs> you know, so, so sometimes it's really even just collecting the data in the way that's useful uh, can be the, you know, the first challenge to overcome. All right, let me take it over. Um, I haven't seen Matt. Congrats on the Liverpool win. I got to call it out. 3-0 to Arsenal. Sorry for Arsenal fans, but I was super happy. Anyway, hey, everybody. Um, had a great team. Um, we had... Um, Jessica, Jeremy, Sherry, and Ori. Um, so really thoughtful conversation. Everyone is um, really in the early, I think in a type of reporting to C-suite, reporting to boards and our team. And I think to echo everyone else, we've covered the high level metrics, but the other things that people talked about were product activity and engagement percentages, support and time to respond to um, uh, tickets and close those health scores and then advocacy. And one of the thoughtful questions Jeremy proposed is how do CSMs um, just experience comp and uh, KPIs actually tie to that? So we had a really thoughtful conversation. Um, and um, of course, it was an answer of it depends, but I thought it opened up a nice way of how can you take what is something that's going to the board and higher level to then drill down to more activity based, think through 
through team goals around hitting advocacy scores, hitting um, a percent increase in um, reoccurring uh, retention and all of these things. So it was a really strong conversation, but it took us into some nice pathways of how you streamline all of this data together. Thanks, Laura. Yeah, that was a great conversation. And I will credit Jeremy for asking that really thoughtful question um, about how to put that together and how you look at the CSMs, what you might share down versus what you might share up. I know um, one of the other things I said is I think for me, I like to share a lot with my team because I think that helps to educate them on what that is. Um, It's part of, for me, coaching and development, and they should understand what the business looks like. I think that's beneficial. It helps them have more educated, I think, conversations, not just with maybe executives in our company internally, but also with their customers. It it gives them a more sense of comfort knowing how to talk to those things. Um, Sherry, really quick. One thing I thought that was so thoughtful um, that you added that I forgot to mention is um, the laggard versus forecasting. And Sherry sounds like she's done a lot of thoughtfulness in how we can forecast that re- those retention numbers versus always showing the laggard numbers to our executive and board teams. And I think that is something that definitely needs to be added into the thoughtfulness of our strategy for quarter growth. Thanks. Yeah, we just talked about... so. One of the things we, you know, boards and I think execs always look at are things like your ARR, NRR, GRR, churn, CLTV, all of this stuff, they're lagging. When do we get them to or how do we educate them to look at the leading indicators? Um, And you may have that where that's where I think a lot of evangelizing our roles and what CS does and some of those other leading indicators kind of it's up to us to educate them on what they need to know versus what they actually want to know in that case. Um, I think we're up to group five. You did miss out group three, but I won't take it personally. Oh, how did I miss you, Matt? <laughs> go ahead. We'll go backwards. <laughs> group three. Let's go. I- I'll, I'll be really quick. So uh, it was me, Alana, Doreen, Aura and Carlos. Um, we spoke about a couple of things. So working for different companies with different maturity of um, of customer success organization or business will determine what you may choose to report or not report. Um, and I can talk about that from four or five different leadership roles I've had and what I'm reporting today at Cision at a very early start of our customer success organization is a lot more tactical and operational than it would have been at somewhere like SAP or Autodesk where I was presenting a lot more strategic um, numbers. So I think I think that's part of it. Um, I think the other thing we touched on uh, a little bit as well is being very careful about what data you're presenting. Um, one of the things that I remember one of my leaders at Autodesk spoke about, if you do not have a why, a story to tell, do not present that number or that KPI um, because you'll get yourself into a world of problem that you probably can't get yourself out of. Um, so just be very selective about what you present and why you're presenting it and what the story is behind it. Um, the other thing I touched on or we touched on was just kind of what, what we're using to, to report our dashboard. So I'm using something called Domo, which is similar to Power BI, Tableau. We talked a little bit about that and tooling. Um, but that's a bit of a high level summary. I don't think I covered much more or we covered much more. So now I think we're up to group five. Was, was five Jeff's group and they maybe just jumped in as one. I'm trying to remember when I saw, yeah, Jan's, Jan's nodding. Yeah. I remember seeing like the, the numbers of the, uh, the groups. 
Okay. Yeah, but we were group one, and so that's why I just sort of interjected at some point. So. Gotcha. Who's going to volunteer as tribute? Are we at a deli counter or something? <laughs> no, it's, 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 the problem is that uh, of our group of five, only Anna and myself are left. So I think we'll, I was we'll also tag trying to remember if we were group six or not, Steve. I we were, like, we were, we were. Six or? Well, you want to tag team it? Sure, you start. All right. Um, so we had Abby, Anna, Lane, Kevin, and myself. Um, and I think the the overall view I got was everybody is sort of at an earlier stage or, you know, kind of early stage and still sort of figuring things out when it comes to dashboards. Um, where I am specifically is last year was very much focused on dashboards related to the COVID impacts on our customers and how to figure out like from a health score perspective, whether customers were likely to churn because of COVID. Um, and now we're sort of revisiting that. And also we've since implemented Catalyst as a CS platform. And so part of that is how do we now track the things that matter um, in Catalyst and be able to report on them and have them be part of a customer health score. So we're sort of in this customer health score 3.0 staging process right now of trying to figure out what that new health score looks like. Um, but that's going to be an important, you know, sort of piece of, um, you know, our dashboard when it comes to looking at customers. Are your, so if you're working on the health score, cause I know that was something I did last year and it was, getting people to understand it and what it represents and that it's not the answer to everything. It's more of an indicator um, is a challenge. So I, I guess to that point, have you used a health score internally before? And if not, and this is new, how do you like, do you have a plan to evangelize that like going up? Yeah. Yeah. So we did use it quite a bit last year um, and, and it was primarily to really focus on um, from a management perspective, like which customers were likely to churn based on the impacts of COVID on their business. We had customers who overnight went from 3,000 employees to 1,000 employees. Um, so there were you know, significant impacts in a lot of industries, as we all know, and some of those customers um, were at high risk for churn. Um, so we used it there, just more predicting like you know, focused on, on, um, net revenue retention numbers and projecting that out and seeing how accurate we could be. The challenge we face is that, especially last year, a lot of our customers were lagging behind on their renewals. Um, not that they weren't happening, but normally a lot of our medium size and large customers kick off that process mid year. Um, and a lot of them didn't kick it off until third and fourth quarter, uh, because they were, um, just trying to ride out COVID and see how it was going to impact them going forward into the next year and what those budgets might look like. Yeah, that's interesting. I, and that's, it's funny because when I was creating the health score, I did not use paying like paying the um, payment of invoices as part of it, because sometimes it has nothing to do with, depending on the size of the company, procurement could make things lat like, you know, it's take things forever and it has absolutely no bearing on like what the team and the executives that I'm talking to, because they're, they oftentimes don't even know and you have to get them involved. So that was one of the things that I had to weigh. Do I want to include this or not? Um, thank you. We're up to group. Was that group six? We have two more groups. Who wants to speak? We have six minutes left or five minutes left. Well, I can jump in for group seven. If uh, sure. everybody's uh, 
silent, but uh, I was with uh, Claudette, Carl, Gabriel, uh, Jackie, and Peter. And we had a lot of discussion around the dashboard itself and what our challenges are in what we have to report and who we're reporting them to. Um, and I think uh, a lot of us found that, um, and me in particular, find that, you know, the numbers that we or the, the information that we provide on the dashboard um, often doesn't resonate too well with everyone else in executive leadership outside of revenue or numbers uh, that that help to generate revenue if, if um you know, that makes sense to everybody. But, um, you know, for me, uh, I have always tried to sort of uh, force this information out to um, our, our uh, executive team, as well as the company as a whole, um, you know, through different ways, uh, one of which, you know, I do I, uh, a quarterly newsletter uh, from customer success showing just the influence that we've had on revenue, renewal, uh, customer satisfaction, action, um, making sure that customers, uh, you know, have the information and the resources that they need uh, in order to uh, grow and what influence we've had on that. Um, and uh, it, it seems to resonate a little better when it's kind of given in that easy to read format. Um, I even had our, our design director come up with something that was easy to read right in the middle of an email. So there's no attachment. There's no nothing. It's HTML formatted and fits perfectly in a real quick snapshot for, for everybody to read. Um, but our, our weekly executive leadership calls uh, or meetings um, revolve around, you know, crazy dashboards and things that you know we're pulling from different systems um I, we have two two revenue generation systems we have uh, a licensing system we have our crm we have uh, a lot of different things and a bi tool that kind of works on top of most of those systems um so for me our our, our data is um often contradictory or in in uh incomplete I'll say. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of us in our group were finding that getting that data and being able to properly uh, present it in a digestible format was uh, kind of a challenge. Um, and for a lot of us, building a CS program from the ground up took a lot more precedence over show me your results right away. It's more like, let me get my feet on the ground first, and then I can get you what you want. Um, and it's, you know, it's a challenge for those of us that come into existing companies to do that. Um, and I think our, our idea of being able to come in at a startup with that knowledge is probably a much more ideal situation, knowing that you can lay the, the groundwork and the framework from the beginning and be able to get that, um, that key data early on. Yeah. So it sounds like something, um, Thank you, Steve. I think it sounds like something we're all kind of, you know, challenged with or thinking about as we, you know, as things change over time and what do we want to share and how do we share it and pulling different uh, themes together and systems because it's it's a challenge. And I think as James, you put it in the chat and I said earlier, it's probably something we can continue to talk about over time and even have this conversation in the community itself, um, because I think it would be great if we had a follow up in maybe a few weeks where we could share some like dummy scrub dashboards and just get an idea of how people are reporting that. Um, 
So I think we could definitely do that later. Um, in the interest of time, since we only have about um, a minute left and I want, I know everyone's anxious to get back to their email and life. Um, I, what I want to say in the close is, I don't know if anybody is a fan of Brene Brown like I am, but she is the queen for me. And I've been recently getting back into the Dare to Lead book and finding passages that I looked at and even listening to her podcast. And one thing I was reminded is that life sits outside our comfort zone and that vulnerability kind of equals brave and daring leadership, right? And the reason I bring that up is because I was super nervous to do this today. As much as I like to talk to people and connect and be social, I was scared I'd fail. And I didn't necessarily want to agree to it because I just didn't think I could do it. And then I realized the discomfort is a good thing and that I should probably do this. Um, and while I don't think I'm replacing Jimmy Kimmel anytime soon and quitting my day job and hosting a late show, um, this was a lot more fun. Um, I've learned some things I could probably do better the next time. Um, but I'm glad that I did this. And I'm saying that because sign up people. There's so many smart people in here, especially smart ladies. And I want to see more ladies hosting this. Um, more a more diverse group. There's so many people to learn from. So I hope if anything, I can share that with all of you that, you know, sometimes stepping out of our comfort zone can be really exciting and we could, you know, learn a lot. So thank you, everybody. Thank you for being patient with me. And I hope everybody has an awesome rest of the week. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.